0: And to be perfectly frank, there have been times when members or leaders in the church have simply made mistakes. There may have been things said or done that were not in harmony with our values, principles, or doctrine.
1: Brothers and sisters, Stay in the boat, use your life jackets, hold on with both hands, avoid distractions. Give Brother Joseph a break. Some have asserted that more members are leaving the church today and that there is more doubt and unbelief than in the past. This is simply not true. The Church of Jesus Christ of
0: Latter-day Saints has never been stronger. How can homosexual members of the church... First, I want to change the question. There are no homosexual members of the church. Questions are honored, but opposition
1: is not. I think we'd also have to be honest. There may be some of these questions that there is no answer to. Yes. Those are going to be the ones we avoid.
2: Doubt your doubts. Welcome to the Cognitive Dissonance Podcast, where we go into the psychology of religion. Today, we want to talk about a mechanism that exists within religion, and we're going to use the Jehovah Witnesses as an example, but the mechanism that discourages the members of a faith from looking or listening to or being aware of anything that's critical of their religion. So with that Let's go to this soundbite from a member of their governing body, Tony Morris.
3: These are my people, so don't be bogged down on these apostates and be careful on the internet. Uh, we' were talking about that this weekend with friends. Oh, my word, uh, how many times did I tell you be careful, you know going here, going there, they'll suck you in see uh with some of this stuff, it can seem so innocent. We're just warning you that's all we can do is admonish. Stick with what we have authorized. You'll be safe. You want to go out there? It's
2: at your spiritual. So that is a member of the governing body, Tony Morris of the Jehovah, Jehovah's Witness faith. And what he's essentially saying here is he is invoking like fear into the members that reading anything outside of our faith is dangerous. That it's easy to pick up when you leave the approved material. It's easy to be deceived. It's easy to be led down the wrong path. It's easy to be put into contact with apostates and to think at the early stages, oh my goodness, this is innocent enough. And then all of a sudden you're sucked in. And and here's the issue with this mechanism. Let's pretend for a moment that every one of us listening knows that the Jehovah Witness faith is not the real true church with any kind of real claim on having God's authority on the earth, right? And so you have this religion telling its members this message. Now, for a moment, let's pretend we're a member of the Jehovah Witness faith, and we want to be able to be truth seekers. We want to be able to discover whether any given church is true or not. And if I'm a member of this Jehovah Witness faith, if I follow the counsel of Tony Morris, does he give me or does he diminish, does he add or diminish my ability to discern whether the Jehovah Witness faith is true or not? In other words, if I follow his advice, if I stay away from material outside of the approved material of the Jehovah Witness faith, does that keep me blinded to information that would shed light on the fact that the Jehovah Witness faith is an unhealthy, false church? And, and the answer is absolutely it does that. And so we did an episode on Mormon Discussion Podcast a while back where we talked about wood tools versus steel tools. And steel tools give you the ability, give you the resources to discern if there is a true church, if I'm in the true church, if the true church is out there somewhere. And wood tools simply placate us. They make us complacent. They uh, dull our senses to information and reality and being able to weigh various things. And so when you look at a wood tool, a wood tool is used by a religion to essentially say you can't trust anything out there but trust us, the truth is here, and trust the things that we give you to read and to study. And anybody listening to that audio, and I want to play it one more time, but I want you to, I want you to put yourself in as a member of the Jehovah Witness faith. And, but also at the same time, being aware that while you're in this faith, you want to have the ability to discern whether the Jehovah Witnesses are really the true church on the earth today. And And listen to what Tony Morris says and see if you then have the ability to discern through his advice whether that your church is true or not. These are my people. So don't be bogged
3: down with these apostates and be careful on the internet. Uh, We were talking about that this weekend with friends. My word, uh, how many times did I tell you, be careful? You know, going here, going there, they'll suck you in. See, uh, with some of this stuff, it can seem so innocent. We're just warning you that's all we can do is admonish. Stick with what we have authorized. You'll be safe.
2: You want to go out there? It's at your spiritual. When a religious leader gives a message like this, he is taking away the tools and resources you need to be able to investigate and discern whether your religious paradigm is accurate or not. If you only take information from one direction, then your view is limited and you're not making an informed decision. And you can see that in a member of the Jehovah Witness faith who hears a message like this. Now, if we take it beyond Jehovah Witnesses, Let's look, for instance, because in this podcast, we often addressed address these issues within the faith of Mormonism. In Mormonism, um, this messaging also happens. And it's going to be easy, for, because a lot of the listeners are Latter-day Saints, it'll be easy to be defensive and say, hey, but wait a minute, our church is the true church. Yeah. But I'm telling you that aside from that, the member of the Jehovah Witness faith, you at least need to accept that they feel just as strongly about their religion as a Latter-day Saint feels about theirs. And so in Mormonism, we get the same kind of messaging. And, and let me share at least one soundbite to get us started. This is from an Enzyme article, June 2017, overcoming the danger of doubt. This was uh, written by Elder Hugo Montoya of the Seventy.
0: So-called friends can introduce doubt by asking hurtful questions. Internet sites can generate doubt by presenting information out of context.
2: What Brother Montoya of the LDS Church in the Seventy did here was he diminished your trust in your friends or in any source that ask a question or gives you information that you didn't know prior. Now I want to explain this. When a friend comes to you and they know about the deeper history of your faith, and you can put yourself again in any religion, and a friend comes along and he's asking you questions. And those questions, and, he, and, he, and he's giving you historical context and then asking you a question at the end. And if those, if those questions and that information are based on real data, And it's data that you as a member of your church, you don't know. Like, when you learn something that is not faith-promoting, but is true, it's going to make you uncomfortable. And so that discomfort can be seen as hurtful. And so now that has become a hurtful question. But think about this. Pretend for a moment you're a member again of the Jehovah's Witness faith. And I come to you, and I say something like, Hey, you know, you're my friend, I love you. I care about you. I've been reading up a little bit on Jehovah's witnesses and and I came across the, this historical data that your faith, your leaders of your faith, the the uh, founder of your faith, he predicted that Jesus was going to come back in 1914. and it and it seems like that didn't happen. And I was reading on some websites where they were explaining all of these quotes, and sharing like when he said them and what he said would happen and, and some of that like essentially all of it seemed like it didn't occur. Now, as that member of the Jehovah's Witness faith, your friend has just asked a hurtful question. And if you push that friend away, then you're not going to give a space to listen to the information that he's talking about. The other side of the coin of what Brother Montoya here said, was that um, internet sites can generate doubt by presenting information out of context. And And he's right. Internet sites can present information out of context. But what most religions fail to ever do when they're giving this message is to ever acknowledge that they also give lots of information out of context and that they withhold pieces of information. So for instance, again, pretend you're a member of the Jehovah's Witnesses faith. And your leader has given you this kind of a a comment that you ought to be careful of the internet, internet sites and information can be out of context. Internet sites can present information that's just not accurate. and And so you are led to believe that you can trust your church to give you the full story. But if we go into any church, and again, let's pretend we're in the Jehovah's Witness faith, it is a fact that when we look at the material of that church, it does not present the full story of its faith. It doesn't do it. And if we look at Mormonism, for instance, how many members were raised understanding that the translation method of the Book of Mormon happened with a stone in a hat? How many members of the Mormon faith um, grew up being taught, that not only was Mary Elizabeth Rawlings-Leitner the young girl who saved the Book of Commandments from destruction by storing these in her dress while um, a mob destroyed the building that this was being stored in, but that she was also a plural wife of the founder, Joseph Smith. and And so, as an institution, when you tell your members that be careful of internet sites that present information out of context. When you say that, you have now obligated yourself to present information in context. And what I'm saying is that no church does that. And so if you, as a member, are only left to read the correlated material, the, the narrative that the church wants you to hear then you're going to be missing the data that it doesn't want you to know about. And this happens in every church. So I want to speak for a moment to the counter-message. And you get this sometimes. It tends to be a smaller amount of the time. But let's take, for instance, Elder Ballard of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the LDS Church when he said the following.
1: Gone are the days... When a student asked an honest question and a teacher responded, don't worry about it. Gone are the days when a student raised a sincere concern and a teacher bore his or her testimony as a response
2: intended to avoid the issue. Elder Ballard of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the LDS Church has essentially just said here that when somebody comes to us with a question about information that they have discovered that is contradictory to the faith-building message that the church teaches or was never shared with them within the narrative that the church talks about. We are not to answer people. We are not to respond to those questioners by bearing testimony to them because that sidesteps their question. And it essentially dodges the question and dismisses the question, and that's not okay. He said, we also can't tell people, don't worry about it. So our our solution can cannot be anything that doesn't address the actual question. But let's see if the LDS Church actually lives up to that message.
3: May I share some friendly
2: advice? For now, give Brother Joseph a break. That was Neil L. Anderson of the Quorum of the Twelve. And when you say, for now, give Brother Joseph a break, what you seem to be saying is don't worry about it. Gone are the days when a student asked an honest
1: question and a teacher responded, don't worry about it. Gone are the days when a student raised a sincere concern and a teacher bore his or her testimony as a response Intended to avoid the issue.
2: Another way that people will try to address somebody who has a serious concern or question is again to bear some sort of testimony or to ask them to recall their spiritual experience. But we should keep in mind that members of all religions have spiritual experiences, which is why Elder Ballard is saying like we shouldn't use testimony as a way to deal with someone having a serious concern or question about the information they're finding. So you can see here again how these mechanisms play out. Let us
0: not doubt that this work is true. Whenever we are tried with doubts, let us ponder our spiritual experiences. Doing so will help us to erase the
2: doubts. The question is, does this advice help you discern whether your religion is the right religion. Again, recognizing that everyone has spiritual experiences within their faith and their spiritual paradigm. And if everyone's having spiritual experiences, is telling someone to only rely on your spiritual experience, ignoring, by the way, the question and concern and the things that are raising doubt, does that solve the problem? And Elder Ballard says we have to stop telling people not to worry about the question or concern that they have
1: gone are the days when a student asked an honest question and a teacher responded don't worry about it gone are the days when a student raised a sincere concern and a teacher bore his or her testimony as a response intended to avoid the issue
2: and you'll see sometimes that within religious uh rhetoric there's even this practice called gaslighting. And gaslighting is to essentially guilt and shame anyone who is off looking or reading or thinking about things outside the faith that uh, diminish faith in that narrative. And so for the Jehovah's Witness, who goes off and reads information, right? That quote we shared at the beginning, that quote, what it did was essentially say, Watch out for those people. They end up going down the path of the apostates. They're reading the outside material. They're, they're raising questions. They're creating doubt. And that is just not okay. And all of us, when we look at a religion other than the religion we're in, we can see the unhealthiness of such rhetoric. But can we see it when it's, when it's within our own faith?
0: In this connection, may I offer a suggestion to all of us? If we truly desire to know the Prophet, we must go to the right source. And that is not a Google search. As President Ezra Taft Benson taught, today, with the abundance of books available, it is the mark of
2: a truly educated man to know what not to read. Think about the message he's giving. Like, there's material out there that will hurt your faith. You shouldn't even read it. You should know better than reading it. You should stick with the sources that are approved and inside the church, that you need to know what not to read. That So in other words, if you come across information that your religious paradigm never told you, and that information is true, and that it shows that your religious paradigm is not what it claimed to be, whose fault is it? It's your fault. You're to blame. You should know better. You should know what not to read. You should be close enough to the Holy Ghost. You should be close enough to the truth that you know what not to read. Now, again, put yourself in another paradigm besides your own. You're a Scientologist. You're a Jehovah's Witness. You're a member of Heaven's Gate or Jim Jones or any of these other groups, right? And you say, like, anything that is outside my paradigm that diminishes my faith, like, I should know better than to read it. And in some ways, what that quote said was, when you come across something troubling, first, it's your own fault for having discovered it because it wasn't within our church. And second, don't worry about it.
1: Gone are the days when a student asked an honest question and a teacher responded, don't worry about it. Gone are the days when a student raised a sincere concern and a teacher bore his or her testimony as a response Intended to avoid the issue.
2: Another mechanism that goes in line with this is the idea of separating questions and doubt. And you'll see in this next quote that what happens is only, only when the way in which you work your way through your concerns leads you back to believing in the religious paradigm that you're a part of are questions, is that's questions and those are good. But when your truth-seeking leads you away from the religious paradigm that you're in, now that becomes doubt, and doubt is bad. But again, take yourself out of whatever religious faith you're in. Put yourself in Scientology. If your truth-seeking leads you to see Scientology as an unhealthy, false religion, and you leave, or you step back, or you distance yourself away from that religion, is it fair for that religion to say, yeah, that's doubt, and doubt is bad? Questions are okay, because questions lead you back to continued obedience and continued faith in our religious paradigm. And again, from the outside, it's easy to see. But can we see it when it's within our paradigm?
0: Largely because of the Internet, it is not uncommon for members of the church to encounter ideas that challenge their beliefs. Some members find the questions raised to be disconcerting and wonder whether it is acceptable to have a question about their faith. It is important to understand that it's good to have questions. In fact, asking questions in faith is essential to our spiritual progress. However, sincere questions are not the same thing as doubts. Questions versus doubts. What then is the difference between a question and a doubt? Questions, when asked with a sincere desire to increase one's understanding and faith, are to be encouraged. Many ancient and modern revelations have come as the result of a sincere question. The scriptural injunction to seek and to ask in order to find is among the most frequently repeated. Sincere questions are those asked with the real intent to better understand, And more fully obey the will of the Lord. Moroni chapter 10 verse 4. A sincere questioner continues to be obedient while searching for answers. By contrast, I have seen that when people doubt their beliefs, they often suspend their commitment to commandments and covenants while waiting for answers. The doubter's posture is generally to withhold obedience or limit it, pending resolution of the doubts. There is no suggestion in the scriptures or the teachings of the prophets that encourages doubt. In fact, the scriptures are full of teachings to the contrary. For example, we are enjoined to doubt not, fear not. Doctrine and Covenants, section 6, verse 36, and in Mormon, chapter 9, verse 27, we are encouraged to doubt not, but be believing. One problem with doubt is the intent to obey only after the uncertainty is resolved to the satisfaction of the doubter. This is the attitude personified by Korahor, who asked, If thou wilt show unto me a sign, then will I be convinced of the truth. Alma chapter 30, verse 43. The power of doubt to destroy faith, hope, and even family is diminished the minute one sincerely says, I will do the things the Lord has commanded, whether my questions are resolved quickly or ever, because I have covenanted to do so. The difference between a faithful, I will keep the commandments because, and a doubtful, I will keep the commandments if, is of powerful and eternal import.
2: And it should be noted, like when a quote like this is said, essentially what it's being said is, no matter what you read, no matter what information comes to light, Even if that information is so true and contradictory to our narrative, we are telling you, don't worry about it.
1: Gone are the days when a student asked an honest question and a teacher responded, don't worry about it. Gone are the days when a student raised a sincere concern and a teacher bore his or her testimony as a response intended to avoid the issue.
2: I've got two quotes left. Um, This next quote, notice what it shares as the reasons why people leave or people step back from activity. Notice that the accountability is put on the individual and that no reason is a good reason to distance oneself from one's faith.
0: This is particularly true for those who have returned from full-time missionary service and then allowed doubts to creep in. For long-time members who have grown tired of enduring, and for recent converts who initially felt great joy but have not nourished their faith.
2: This quote talks about missionaries who serve the Lord so valiantly, and then they come home and they allow doubts to creep in. Or what about those members who have been in the church a long time, dedicated members of the church? who just grow tired of enduring. And then there's the converts, who were so excited when it started, but then they just didn't nourish their faith. Do you see? That essentially covered everyone. And any time somebody distances themselves from their religious paradigm, the authoritative voices within that religion guilt and shame those who step back. It doesn't matter what faith it is. So again, put yourself in Scientology. Put yourself in Jehovah's Witnesses. If somebody discovers sometime along the way that the narrative of their church doesn't add up, and they distance themselves from that church, is it fair to say like, yeah, shame on them? Shame on them for distancing themselves. And notice too, notice too that the institution never takes any blame. And, and you'll notice this within the rhetoric of a religious paradigm. That religion rarely ever stands up and says, part of this is on us. We're, we're culpable in all of this. We, we did something wrong. We messed up. And the other thing you have to recognize is that if you step back, you see them blaming the person who has distanced themselves. And you want to think like they're talking to the person who has stepped back. They're not. They're talking to those still on the inside who are still believers. And what they're doing is they're teaching the believer that any of your loved ones, any of your friends, any of the members of your congregation that you see distancing themselves from the faith, stepping back from their activity, or leaving altogether, you can be at peace knowing that they left over petty reasons, they left over not having enough faith. There wasn't any real concern with what they had discovered or what they were asking about. You can paint them as the bad guy and you can continue moving forward. We have kept playing a quote from Elder Ballard of the Quorum of the Twelve, who has said, Gone are the days that we tell members don't worry about it and gone are the days that we bear testimony as a way to avoid it. Well, here's Elder Ballard one more time.
1: We don't have to question anything in the church. Don't get off into that. Just stay in the Book of Mormon. Just stay in the Doctrine and Covenants. Just listen to the prophets. Just listen to the apostles. We won't lead you astray. We cannot lead you astray. Contrast that quote with this one. Gone are the days when a student asked an honest question and a teacher responded, don't worry about it. Gone are the days when a student raised a sincere concern and a teacher bore his or her testimony as a response intended to avoid the issue.
2: Those almost seem like opposites because in the first quote, he's bearing testimony and he's saying, don't worry about it. And then in the second quote, he says, we can't just bear testimony and say, don't worry about it. Let me play that first quote again because I also want to contrast it with another one.
1: We don't have to question anything in the church. Don't get off into that. Just stay in the Book of Mormon. Just stay in the Doctrine and Covenants. Just listen to the prophets. Just listen to the apostles. We won't lead you astray. We cannot lead you astray.
2: That quote sounded a lot like this. These
3: are my people. So don't be bogged down in these apostates. And be careful on the internet. Uh, we were talking about that this weekend with friends. Oh my word, uh, how many times did I tell you be careful? You know, going here, going there, they'll suck you in. See, uh, with some of this stuff, it can seem so innocent. We're just warning you that's all we can do is admonish. Stick with what we have authorized. You'll be safe. You want to go out there? It's at
2: your spiritual. Remember real truth seeking involves looking at all the information using your rationale and your logic trying to figure out historical context trying to understand the argument from all sides not just one and to be perfectly frank
0: there have been times when members or leaders in the church have simply made mistakes there may have been things said or done that were not in harmony with our values, principles or doctrine. Brothers and sisters,
1: stay in the boat. Use your life jackets. Hold on with both hands. Avoid distractions. Give brother Joseph a break. Some have asserted that more members are leaving the church today, and that there is more doubt and unbelief than in the past. This is simply not true. The Church
0: of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has never been stronger. How can homosexual members of the church... First, I want to change the question. There are no homosexual members of the church. Questions are honored,
1: but opposition is not. I think we'd also have to be honest. There may be some of these questions that there is no answer to. Yes. Those are going to be the ones we avoid.
0: Doubt your doubts.